Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1479 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA. When you enter the promo code LawtonNBA, you'll get a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with each and every order. And I also want to say at the top of the podcast, make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe across platforms, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And today's podcast is myself and Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops and ATL and 29. To continue our player capsule series, Glenn and I have talked about myriad players already across this series, going back to Sadiq Bay, AJ Griffin, etc. And today's podcast is going to be on Jalen Johnson, the Hawks' second year, soon to be third year forward. Very, very interesting prospect, a lot of upside, etc. We'll have many more players to cover in the future. I do thank Glenn for coming on the podcast repeatedly. Also, earlier to earlier this week, I talked to myself basically about some mailbag questions and as well as the Trey Young pseudo rumor. And I use rumor very lightly in that framing. So if you missed that podcast, please check that out as well. Please subscribe to the podcast. After the intro plays, you'll have myself and Glenn Willis talking about Jalen Johnson. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I'm joined now by a good friend of the podcast and the co-host for this Player Capsule series. Glenn Willis is here. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. Enjoying these these playoffs, whatever round we're in right now. It's really exciting. <laughs> yes. To watch. Yeah, that's part of the fun. I'm sure people will notice uh, what I'm wearing and what the ads look like and all that. Uh, one of the beauties, only only one of them of, of the series, is that these are pretty um, fluid and when I have to post them. So, for instance, uh, as we're recording this podcast, I have to travel the next couple of days and I can hold these. And generally speaking, knock on wood, nothing bad is going to happen to I have to uh, throw these in the trash can. So that is one of the nice things about recording these player capsules. But if you missed it so far, we have posted up posted the podcast about the supporting cast as well as uh, Sadiq Bay and AJ Griffin. They've all gone up at this point. So Jalen Johnson is up on the agenda today. And an interesting player. I think we've kind of poked fun at it in a, in a, in a friendly way. I think you and I both like Jalen Johnson quite a bit. Um, the comparisons to LeBron have been kind of funny to see from Hawks fans. Or uh, the good version of Ben Simmons has been thrown around. That's always <laughs> that's always a fun one, too. Um, but, you know, long story short, we, we do like Jalen. I think I, I can speak for you at least, at least that far. Uh, we'll start broad, as we usually do on these. Uh, how was Jalen's second season for you? Because in a lot of ways, it was kind of like his rookie year. It was. Um, I mean, I, I think we saw that his starting point was good enough that he made – it suggests he made the most of even this time in College Park last year. And you and I both heard all season long last season, well, why isn't Jalen playing? Why isn't Jalen playing? Yeah. And and my assessment early on last season was he's just not ready defensively, you know. And beyond that, I, you know, wasn't really sure what to expect then offensively. But th- this year I made just so much growth. I mean – if, if they had a most improved player that actually went from the beginning of the season to the very end of the season, for me, it's like he'd have to be, I don't, I don't know, top 20 or something. I mean, he'd made so many strides this year to go from, man, what are you going to do with him on defense to the last 20 games, him depending on the guards at the point of attack in, in some cases. And I think that was mostly about reps, you know, and, and to see what he can do at this point in time. Um, but just his – the volume of responsibilities he was thrown into his last third of the season and his ability to navigate that, not perfectly made mistakes, 
but did it well enough to make you think like, oh, those are areas where he might be able to kind of regularly contribute. I think that's so encouraging. For sure. And, you know, I say that it was kind of like his rookie season. And I almost said the same thing you said, like, you know, we heard a lot from Hawks fans. And I, I understood why, because it's, it's a first round pick. And usually I would say 90 percent of the time, first round picks that are healthy play more than Jalen played as a rookie. Uh, no matter the context, even even guys who go 30th in the draft, if they're healthy all year long, usually play more than 120 minutes that Jalen Johnson played as a rookie with the Hawks. And part of that, as we discussed even last year on this same kind of format, was was the coach and the roster and expectations and all those things. And, um, you know, I, he, he wasn't like the most raw or not ready to play yet rookie of all time, but he was his game is not one that's the most plug and play. And that makes him special in some ways in some good ways for sure. But it also makes him a little bit more challenging to kind of just throw out there. And we saw this year, I'm glad you said that about his improvement because he did improve a lot over the course of the season. He played over a thousand minutes. That's a, a nice step. Just, just have him out there. Um, a lot was made of his role. We'll talk about that. I'm sure about like how he was basically treated as a pure big, as a rookie, even playing the five, like regularly in college park that happened. And now he still played mostly four this year, but was on the perimeter, like you said, at times in the, at the second half of the season and his transition ability and all those things. And um, it was kind of a, it was a nice, it's nice to see a typical kind of rookie season for a player of his talent, because much like AJ, who we discussed already, Jalen Johnson was once a top three, four five player in a high school class. And you can definitely see the physicality. You can see the talent. You can see the stuff that sort of the signs that made him that. And then he had this weird year at Duke. And then here he is. He falls too far in our opinion, at least in mine. And uh, he ends up with the Hawks. But we saw like all the flashes, all the frustrations, if you pay close attention, that rookies will give you. And he's still rookie age. I mean, at this very moment when we record this podcast, he's 21 years old. And, that, and that's after his second season. So um, no concerns there. And we'll kind of get into it. But he, he did. He, he sort of played a normal rookie amount this year, about a thousand minutes. He was a supporting piece. He was really in the rotation all year. There were a few DMP CDs along the way. I think I went I meant to count them. There were probably only three or four all year long where he was active, healthy and didn't play. And the rest of the way he was out there. And uh, I guess we'll start. Huh, you know, let's, let's throw a curve. We'll start. We'll start. We'll start on defense because that's where he's, I think, been better to this point. Maybe you disagree, but I think that at the moment, just his physicality allows him to be pretty good there. And I think the advanced metrics, I won't list them all, but they kind of liked his defense so far. EPM, Raptor, all that stuff. He actually had the second best defensive rebound rate on the team behind only Clint. That's a huge success, for instance. But um, we'll start We'll start here. Like, where is Jalen defensively? Because depending on who you ask, you could be uh, hearing about how he's, the, how he's this game-wrecking defender or – you might focus on his weaknesses with, with regard to processing and getting over screens, all these things. Like what's the realistic evaluation of Jalen Johnson now versus what he might be in a couple of years? Yes. So, so, so now it's like he, he does, it seemed like maybe it's the second half of the season, maybe it was more than the second half of the season, but it seems like he reliably made two, three, maybe four plays a game on defense that just like, Wow, there aren't many guys that can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's coming from you know, the weak side and kind of getting challenging a shot at the rim, kind of coming out of nowhere, covering a lot of space. He's fantastic on like timing and feel for on digs, helping with digs, like especially around the nail. Um, it just and he he deflected a lot of balls, he created turnovers, he, he helped, he probably helped them get into transition on a per possession basis, maybe even more than DeJounte did with DeJounte's ability to kind of disrupt defense. So just a real disruptor at a minimum. 
Um, but then it got better and better and better being more solid. Like for DeJounte, it's like, it's great that you're jumping passing lanes, creating uh, deflections, stealing the ball from average or below average ball handlers, but there are issues in other areas of his defense and we'll, we'll cover him when his capsule gets here. But just <laughs> wanna, as a point of contrast, yeah. Jalen just showed that ability to disrupt, create turnovers, you know, use digs, um, flash a second defender. His use, he, it's, it's like he understands how much athleticism and agility he has and puts it to work for a guy at that young age to show up, to have presence. Uh, so he was, I think, better and more consistent in those baseline areas you know, the not wow areas, but those baseline, like team defense, being the right place, giving help at the right time and from the right spot, and made a number of kind of kind of wow plays. I was looking for kind of statistical comps, like were there many, and I put this on Twitter, I don't know, a week or, week or so ago, but for guys that played 1,100 minutes or fewer, I'm going to memory here, so I hope I got this right. <laughs> um, only five guys had 30 steals and 30 blocks. Uh, he was one of those five, yep. Uh, and only one other of those five made more than two three point shots. So, you take now he was a 20% shooter, but he put up 104, made 30 right on offense. But to, to have a guy who has a lot of different areas of offensive stuff starting to emerge, I guess I'll put it that way, and then we'll talk about offense more in depth, and to have the ability to create blocks, steals, and to do all those other things. I, I think that's just so interesting. And as the season went along on defense, more so than offense, more consistently, at least more consistently than offense, he kind of was putting it all together, right? You see young guys that kind of have flashes of this skill here, that ability there, that awareness and that situation there. But what was encouraging to me is the ability to kind of make it all work. His reading the floor, reading the play, understanding his role uh, in this certain situation, uh, executing to that role and throwing his athleticism and his size kind of into the mix all together. That was more and more and more as the season went on. And I think that he's still mostly, uh, he has so much potential that there's still more potential than ability right now. But that's saying that that simply kind of undersells how much ability he's developed at this point in time. It's just because he has that much potential. Um, so I, He's super intriguing defensively, and he showed me at least a ton of growth this year. Um, the time he spent on the ball later in the season, containing the ball, keeping the ball in front, I mean, C-plus, maybe B-minus in some examples, right? Navigating screens, that's rough. But, I mean, until he got put into that position late in the season, I, he had maybe done that five times in his whole NBA career, you know, I mean, he had no kind of repetitions and stuff. So not to be surprised here that that's some, that's some technique he's going to have to work on. It may, and that may be his number one area of focus this off season is screen navigation and learning the, the foot technique, the hand technique, all that sort of stuff. Because I think, you know, I think what Quinn did with him suggests that Quinn is interested in, in potentially deploying him that way. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing fit, comfort, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great wearing my Bird Dogs, and the stretchy fabric on their shorts gives me a ton of confidence and the comfort with the ability to wear the same shorts in different situations without worrying at all about the way that I'm looking or feeling. I'm not someone who wants to stress too much about what I'm wearing, but I also want to make sure that I'm feeling good and wearing actually makes sense, and Bird Dog checks a lot of boxes for me each and every time. I'm not a dad, but I also hear that dads are really in love with bird dogs across my life. If you're into that sort of thing, it makes perfect sense to me. So with that said, 
BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA is the place to go. When you get there, enter the promo code LockedOnNBA. When you do that, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with each and every order. One more time, check out BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. I want to dig into that a little bit more because it's something you notice only if you're paying really close attention over the, over the course of the season, which obviously we are. And then there was the coaching change to kind of facilitate it. But even under Nate, and I think there was frustration that I'm sure you heard. I know I heard from Hawks fans about like putting Jalen in a box um, with positions. And it's not, it's never as simple as what people make, make it out to be. He wasn't only, but, but, you know, especially for, for a young guy, veteran coach like Nate, he wanted him to execute what he wanted him to execute. And you could do the other things as well, but you have to be able to do your job first. And Jalen Johnson, at his size, you know, still at this point is probably more of a four. It's just what he is. Um, can you play the perimeter? Sure he can. But we saw that. But you know, it's it's a different role, number one, to be asked to not necessarily anchor the defense. He's not doing that. He's not he's not playing like Capella and Collingwood defensively. But when you're asked to kind of be the, the secondary rim protector and defend certain players that's a different role than suddenly you look up in March and he's got primary assignments on guards and primary assignments on, on high, high usage wings. It's a very different role. And, you know, the fact that he can do that is a testament to how devastating his talent is because no one on the roster, and I say this kindly, but it's not about anybody else, but can match his level of length and burst and range. Like he's, he's the, he's their unicorn kind of athlete like that on this roster, but it was never fair to him, and we tried to say it kindly, I think. Like, he, he was never going to be polished as a perimeter defender in the middle of a season when he's never done that before. But the fact that he was able to do it capably, not fantastically, but capably, was huge. Because now, if you're Quinn Snyder, you've seen him do that without really having him being trained on that much at all. And now it's like, okay, in the back pocket, yeah, we could have Jalen Johnson be our, even if not the number one perimeter defender or whatever you want to say, like, he's an option on guys. And the Hawks need that. And also, he did the other things. Like he he did the steals. I'm glad you mentioned the steals and block because he does he does create havoc with his hands. He, he reads the game very well for a young player. He still makes rookie mistakes like guys do. That's fine. But steals, blocks is not everything, but it helps. And rebounds. I mean, he's a very good rebounder. And that's not a small thing on a team, especially everyone seems to be, not everyone, ready to move on from Clint. And I get all that. If they don't have Clint, you need all the rebounding you can get from everybody. I mean, you already do, but Clint's been the, the gobble up everybody rebounder for years now. And Jalen being literally on paper, their second best rebounder this season by the numbers is also big for a guy who uh, maybe, maybe a reminder that you don't want him to always be on the perimeter. It's one of those, like it's tantalizing because he can do so many things well that you don't want to bring a full circle, put him in a box. I think using him as He's not, you know, unicorn gets overused, but as a guy who can do so many different things that most guys cannot do all of these things, but harnessing that and having to take a step forward. And also he's healthy. That's another thing that I want to make sure I mentioned before I forget last summer, he wasn't healthy. Like people kind of forgot that because Bogey was the guy who was really out, but Bogey and Jalen had the same update on the same day in like May of last year. It was basically like, we'll see you in training camp. Jalen didn't have summer last year. He didn't, he didn't play in summer league. Like a lot of guys would have. Um, so now going into the summer healthy, to like work on some stuff and have Quinn and the staff imprint some more on him. Like it's tough to not be excited about like everything that he could do and stuff that he already can do right now. Yeah. And yeah. And you, there's like two sides to that really. One is you want to put him into a role and into a lineup construct that allows him to use his strengths the most. 
Yeah. Right. But on the flip side, the versatility that he has, the and I should say the um, the emerging versatility he has, because it's not all there yet. Right. Just it gives you so much flexibility around how to construct lineups, right? And that's the that's the value of that is that of that versatility. If you need him to guard a two, if he continues getting better at screen navigation and 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 ball containment and all that sort of stuff, that's there. If you need him to I mean, I, I think there he could play small ball five. I think you know if you if they develop lineups and develop a style of scheme absolutely to build that, I think you can do that. And there's just not a lot of guys that can do all of that stuff, and that's that that gives you so much flexibility from a roster standpoint. Like I think about he can play at forward with Hunter and compensate for Hunter's rebounding issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he could play with Bay and just take the harder assignment so that Bay doesn't have to kind of get on that harder assignment. Um, he wasn't ready for that in the Boston series. That's why we saw Bay on Tatum, you know, so much. But you wonder if, like, a year from now, if it's going to be if Tatum, if uh, Jalen will be at a point where he's drawing that, you know, as a, the, the second guy on the other team's kind of kind of best guy or whatever that is. And it's not crazy to kind of think about. A year ago, to have this conversation would have been mind blowing, right? You know, but he showed enough that that it's you know it's there. To be the second best rebounder, Clint's a top five rebounder in the league, in my opinion. Oh yeah, you know Jalen had nine point seven per thirty six, and that's that's a great number, especially for forward. Um, and so just just his impact, and I, I, you know, to your point, you know, it he's so active and on his toes all the time that even if he is defending on the perimeter, I feel like he's a guy who's going to come back and help rebound the ball, even from the, like the three point line, where a lot of guys just don't have that natural mobility and his instinct for rebounds and and just his proactiveness to to be a helper there is it's just really helpful and if you, i mean that's helpful if you're playing trey and dejounte together i know, I know dejounte is statistically a good rebounder uh i think that was a lot more the case of the the one um yeah. you know where it stood out more um but that rebounding and his ability to grab and go you know just to compare it to like you think about the pro the it works with hunter it works with bay can it work with John, you know, because one of the area John has to contribute is as a rebounder and, but you don't want John grab and go. You want Jalen to grab and go. So there's, there, there's a lot to kind of think about kind of, okay, where does he fit into, you know, three or four different lineup constructs that feature him really, really well, allow him to keep contributing in a broader and broader way. Um, and that's, that's just really interesting to think about it. He has, more future versions of himself than any player on this team, I think, by a lot. And that's so fascinating to me. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. And when you get there, your customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 with FanDuel. And it's bonus bets coming back to you if your first bet does not win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app right now. They have great promotions every single day. The app is safe and secure. And NBA applies to any sport you can pick up with a variety of different angles to choose from. That includes future bets, in-game betting, player props, point spreads, totals, money lines, and more across sports. When you win on FanDuel, you get paid instantly. There's a better place to bet about all the NBA playoff action and America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. One more time, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We can kind of use this as a pivot point to the offense too, but there's kind of a fine line, and I don't mean this negatively, and when I say that it's it's he's not a plug and play player, it's not an insult to him at all. It's that there's a fine line between like he's not a guy that is proven to be someone that you build around. You know what I mean? And like 
that can be tricky. And it can also be great because we just talked about how many skills he has and the size and all that stuff. But you kind of have to think about more than you would on some supporting player, which is right now he's still a supporting player, like how it works because of the strengths and weaknesses. And on offense, it's the jump shot. We're lack thereof right now. On defense, it's kind of like, what do you want him to do? Because he can do so many things. And But I think with, again, with the, with the new staff, they can probably approach this in a way where um, they can plan for it a little bit. You can invest in him. And he showed enough because, you know, a year ago, I would be the first to say that I like the draft pick a lot, but after he didn't play at all as a rookie, that's not his fault. You know, you couldn't really plan around Jalen Johnson as like a building block. You were hoping, but you hadn't seen it at all. Now, I'm not saying that you know he's going to be an all-star because you don't, no matter how high you are, you don't know how, he's, how good he's going to be. But he's at least shown enough to where you can reliably be like, okay, this is a rotation guy for us at minimum. Probably better than that. You're hoping for better than that, of course. But it's easy, easier to kind of plan for that, which takes a little bit of the pressure off of him to kind of fit in that box and also to like maximize his skill set. And the grab and go is a good way, again, to transition to the offense because, you know, I've always argued, even even dating back to his college tape, like his, his transcendent skill at the moment is the transition stuff. Like the fact that he is as big as he is, and as long as he is, as fast as he is in a straight line and as skilled with the ball as he is to like, you know, you don't want to, there's no, there's some blasphemous comparisons you can make that I won't make. But, like, he can go end-to-end in a way that few guys can do, to be honest. I'm not saying he's the only guy to do but are there 20 guys in the league that, that are as terrifying as Jalen Johnson going from one end to the other with the ball in their hands? I would say probably not, just physically. Yep. Yep. Um, and he's not polished like those guys are yet with it. But, in fact, you see it, though. The, it's not just the dunks, either. It's the fact that he's a, he's a willing passer. Yep. Like, he had a 2-to-1 turnover issue this year. Not a huge volume either way, but he stopped turning the ball over. He passed the ball well. He's got good vision and he can handle the ball. He's not like a primary ball handler, but as a grab and go piece, it's very helpful. So I want to start there first because it really is the part of his offensive game. That's the most proven. And I think the easiest to weaponize right now. Yeah. The, I think it is the passing and the general kind of connective skills. I think that he has, I think the ball handling is a part of that connective skills. He could take the ball in space on offense when the defense has forced Trey and or DeJounte to get the ball up and kind of just very, really competent, like with his decision-making, see the floor and those sorts of things. In transition, I noted, I think, he, like I said earlier, he played about 1,100 minutes, 106 transition possessions resulted in him shooting. That's a big number for a guy who's not a high-usage player. Yeah. And the per possession was 1.21. Like, elite guys are like 1.4. And so that's yeah, – They that's, also want it, by the way. I not to put, like, But, like, Quinn has said, even on the record, they want him to grab and go. They're encouraging him to go, and which is a big – that's a not a small thing for a guy who was 20. Like, go ahead, Jalen. We want you to yeah. do it. Go. Yeah, and that was uh, an area where I think Trey had to – let go of some control there because early in the yeah. season there were a few moments where he and Trey were frustrated with one another around that and I think Jalen was wanting to grab and go and Trey was wanting to kind of do what he's always done and as the season went on you saw Trey just running up the floor filling the wing and Jalen um uh doing that now the, getting really late in the game when you're up by say six points like Trey's gonna want to like just go in that <laughs> right. position yes. uh but in terms of other kind of situations that was that was there and and you can kind of see like when he sees the rim, like he'll get to say the top of the key or one or two steps from the top of the key and see a path of the rim. The last third of the season, you could see, oh, that guy can't beat me through the rim. And he would just put his head down and go. Now it's still straight line, right? And yeah, when it, if, a def- if a defender kind of gets there, he doesn't have a lot of craft there other than just trying to kind of go over him or through him, which is, and, which is per- great for him. Like going through defenders, 
sign me up all day long. Like, mm-hmm. He's a handful in that area. But, you know, but I mean, the fact that at that age and with that amount of experience that he made, I don't know, 85 to 90% of decisions in the open floor around, should I pass it? Should I look for a teammate or should I be aggressive and go to the rim? I think 85 to 90% of the time he got it right. There was a play in game one of um, Lakers Nuggets. And I don't know if people remember this, but it was like the one thing that jumped out at me. The Lakers were at the, at the time kind of trailing by, I don't know, 15 points or whatever it was. And Lonnie Walker created a steal like right at the Nell and went up the floor with the ball. And they needed a three, like they needed to open threes in the worst ways. And Austin Reeves was wide open on the right side of the floor, filling a lane. Lonnie was kind of working from the middle towards the left, and he ended up passing the ball to, I think it was Rui, uh, down towards the left corner with a guy closing out on him. And Austin was Reeves was on the right side of the floor, like just below the three-point break, just jumping up and down and raising his hands. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, and I'm rooting for Lonnie. I, I like Lonnie and stuff like that. But that is that is a play Jalen sees immediately, mm-hmm. makes that pass. And and Lonnie's just not uh, – doesn't have that competency that Jalen has in, in, in that sense. Uh, you know, Lonnie's been helping the Lakers a, a lot. But it's just like one of those things that's like, when you're trying to figure out who Darvin Ham is going to continue playing, you know, that's a play where it's like, I didn't have no doubt. They went back and watched tape. They were like, stop Lonnie. You've got to see this pat. Like you, we have to have it's this right now, there yeah. know, on that play. Anthony Davis ended up making a, a three point play the, the old fashioned way, but it's like, he has to make that play. And when I watched it, I immediately thought of Jalen, like uh, Jalen would make that play. I have zero doubt. Jalen would see that pass. Jalen would see it as soon as he crossed half court. Jalen would further set up by kind of moving defenders, you know, away from that side of the floor. And he had, there's so much subtlety and so much instinct that's kind of built into that, that that's, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to me. And I, I want to see as his minutes presumably ramp up, you know, is Trey going to sprint to corners when Jalen has the ball? Like Trey, Trey doesn't usually kind of, uh, well, he hasn't historically done those things a lot or at a high volume, but you wonder if some of Trey's other habits are going to start to evolve a little bit when Jalen has the ball in the open court, like is he going to spread the corners like Bogey does, like or like AJ does, right? And will Trey kind of the first step was like giving Jalen those reps and giving him those opportunities. Yeah. For me, what I'm fascinating is next year is Trey going to be like, oh, Jalen's got it. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to spread to a corner. It, it'll be it'll be really fascinating to see. But that's that's the stuff that like gets you out of your seat when he makes those those plays oh, in transition. You know, yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, people. Again, I'm not trying to be negative about it. Um, people take that like I, I see the word. I see the, the words point forward thrown around with Jalen, and he, he's he's not there. He's not there yet. Maybe he could be in the future, but transition does not mean point forward. Like he, he can do that, but in the half court, that's probably if you were sort of diagramming like his game right now, his half court offense is probably his biggest weakness at the moment. And it's not necessarily that he can't do anything. He's a good connector, like you said before. The rebounding, he's a good passer. But uh, we made a lot of it in the series, but it was true. Boston in particular, he, he was not being guarded. And his, as a three-point shooter right now, he's not a threat. And teams are not going to guard him until he proves otherwise. And that's, that's, that's one thing. I'm not saying that's a huge fatal flaw because it's not. It's just the reality at the moment. They all know it. I'm sure he knows it. The team will tell him that. And he's going to have to be more willing. And he was willing. I was, I'll give him that. He, 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 there were still times where he, when he didn't take them. But he wasn't totally unre- unwilling to shoot. And that that's good. You want you want him, he's gonna have to make that shot and take that shot enough. But like, I won't go through all the numbers. But the team for the season was worse with him with him, him on offense by the numbers 
on the floor. And that, that is not a surprise to me. And it's not, it's not an indictment of his talent. It's the spacing and the fit. He's a low usage player right now, like very low usage, which kind of comes back to like, what do you want him doing in the half court? He's not a huge free throw rate guy at this point, which I think could change. I think he could be a big free throw rate guy in the future. Yep. He's not getting the line very often yet. And maybe that's that he's not a great free throw shooter at this point. Maybe he's a little bit less excited to get there. But that's an area that I've circled that's kind of a low-key, not talked about thing, but like he's only averaging like three attempts for 36 minutes. That's got to go up for his style of play, his physicality, just go right to the rim, get fouled, draw that. But, I mean, what's it, what's this up to you about his half-court offense? Because, like I said, for me, that's his biggest question. It doesn't mean it's something he can't answer. But, like, the fit questions, if, you're, if you want to find fit questions, it's really that's the spot. Like, what do you want him to do? What can he do? What's the role around him? All that stuff. Yeah, so the point forward stuff, the first thing I think of is I doubt he's ever run one pick and roll in NBA. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably not. He's not on purpose. It, it, yeah, it, if it happened, it was probably weak side, eight seconds on the shot clock or, you know, or whatever. And so, and that's, that's, a, that's a big question for the coaching staff is they, they, they run that what they call stack, you know, pick and roll for DeAndre. And DeAndre is not dynamic in that at all, right? No. Now he has a massive size disadvantage at times and can kind of really get into space and get some matchups, and he does some good work in that area. Um, but it's not as kind of the defense kind of bends towards, you know, or bends around that screen, that, that pass that's there. DeAndre doesn't see that, hit that really with any kind of consistency at all. Mm-hmm. And so a huge question for me is, is that going to be baked into his plan for this season? Like, are they going to give him those opportunities to slot, pick, and roll that they, they run for Hunter? Or is that something that they are feel like he's not ready for? I When I when I talk about that and think about that, I wonder, like, is he going to play two games in Vegas summer league and run, pick, and roll and run the offense, you know, and those sorts of things. When he he was a, high, uh, a central point of the offense in College Park his rookie season, that was more of sort of uh, the, I mean, the Jokic kind of model where he was starting initially the offense as a big, right? I was going to ask you that because like one of the comparisons that I've seen, and it's it's kind of a lazy one, but it also works, is like, let's, let's just assume for a second that he, that he never becomes a, a very good shooter. Like some of the ways that the Warriors use Draymond, who could, right. and they, they know that he can't shoot, uh, not can't, but doesn't want to. And, like, obviously Draymond's a one-of-a-kind, like, Hall of Famer, so this is an unfair comparison. But, yeah. like, there are ways to use a guy with, with the ball skills that Jalen has if he, like, in that kind of hybrid role where he's not operating from the post, but it's, it's the high post or he could be kind of a perimeter career without running a lot of pick and roll because Draymond doesn't really want pick and roll. It's just he becomes – and, again, it's the Warriors. It's a difficult system. you got Steph. But, like, I've seen that thrown out there, so I just wanted to throw it out there too. Yeah, and, and a lot of that is – kind of back to the basket or shoulder to the back, like not facing up the whole defense, right? That's a different thing. Yep. And, and it feels to me like, I, I, you know, I feel like he can run the offense kind of in a face set position, depending upon how he handles, like can he handle one basic action over and over and over? Like the Hawks never run any like dead center pick and rolls for Hunter. It's always stack into that slot, right? To the three point break. And he goes from there. And that's about all Hunter can handle. The really, really good wings can run middle, side, stack, slash, and then get into other stuff as well, where you, you're right. running Spain or, or whatever. And he he's so intuitive that I feel like if he can um, kind of – if they can find a way to safely get him those repetitions, I think it's interesting to think about what that could be. But, you know, the other part of that is on a team with Trey and DeJounte 
at AJ, who we, we want more opportunity for him. Hunter, if he's still on the team, kind of what is that going to look like? So how do you ramp up his half-court usage and how much um, short-term risk are you taking on to give him those opportunities? And do you believe in the ROI in the longer term if you move him into that? There's That's maybe the most fascinating thing to think about in terms of what Quinn and his staff, the staff he'll put together, uh, are thinking about is what does his role look like from a – secondary high level secondary or even moving in times into kind of being a primary on the presumably against other team second units but how, how, like is Quinn going to be like we're just going to do what we do with Hunter the stack pick and roll and that's all we're going to add this year or no we think he can do two or three different kinds of actions you know and we're going to throw more at him and trust him to deal with that I think three years from now I think he could kind of do all of it Right, if yeah. he if he's developed in the right way, this next year that doesn't feel like that's the answer. But I know Quinn's uh, Quinn um, will lean into some things where there's potential. Sometimes you know where other coaches, maybe the coach that preceded him, <laughs> might, well, he, might not. You know, and that and that's fascinating to think about. It it is, and you know when you and I talked about about AJ, we kind of I think ended up agreeing on like you know AJ has. Um, a more projectable all-star future, but Jalen might have, might have high, might have higher upside than AJ because of just the tools and the fact that right. we're talking around it. And and I'm not saying this is likely to happen, but if if he put it everything together in three years, he he's definitely that kind of ceiling player. Yeah. And this is a rabbit hole that we will not fully go fully go down. But I have thought about like what it might have looked like if Jalen had been drafted to a team that was not trying to win and gave him a ton of reps like picture your tanking team and i you know at, at number 20 in the in the draft that wouldn't that wouldn't have happened but if jalen had gotten drafted sixth overall which he could have very reasonably honestly he was he's that kind of talent and gone to a tanking team and just like did a bunch of stuff i don't know if it would have worked but we would probably know more now about what he can what he can and can't do in some ways right but instead he went uh to a team where they were trying to win he had guys in front of him his rookie season wasn't I'll be very clear. It was not a wash. Like people say that about Jalen's rookie year. He played professional basketball in the college park and learned a lot. And those reps do matter. That's like fun. we don't watch them a lot. Even me, I'm, I'm, I'll raise my hand. I didn't watch a ton. I watched more because he was there to be honest than I would have if he had, but because they were kind of outside of mind, people like just act like they didn't happen. And it's like, no, that, that does matter. I saw Sam's playing in the NBA. I get that. But playing in the G league and having real, real professional coaching and getting reps that does help you. There's no doubt about it, and we shouldn't forget that. But, yeah. you know, it's like, where do you kind of land on? Because, and we'll, and we'll wrap up, but, like, I've I just wanted to always say, like, I thought about it what it might have been somewhere else, but this also might be the better path for him. It might be better for him as a, as a guy or as a personality or as a player to, be like, kind of have to be eased in and, like, you know, be put in a position where, hey, Jalen, tonight we have to use you, but we don't want you to lose us this game which I'm sure was kind of the messaging from Nate at times. Right. And I'm not saying that's great, but like some, some young guys, it might, it might be useful to be like, have to, you have to play this role because we were asking you to do this one or two things. Yeah. But that, that can be helpful too. Yeah. And you know, for me, I don't think I would change. Like if I could go back and change the path he was on, I know fans are frustrated that he didn't play more, but I think the, the initial messaging for him was, if you're going to play, you got to be able to do it on defense. 
Oh, definitely. So many times, definitely the message, right? And you see so many other young players who get dropped onto a bad team, high usage offense, and that realization that I have to do it on defense to like really earn this role on my team never registers. Like I I would think about like I don't know, it's just a guy like Jalen Green, right? In in Houston, right? It's like how what, what is the thing that's causing it to register with him? how much he needs to commit to his defense, right? That's hard for young guys who are in super high usage roles on bad teams. And so from that standpoint, and Jalen came, has come a long way on defense and that they, and that's, that's where they, they need him to really, really show up like with all of his talent on that end of the court. And whether it was a, the bet, the most strategic <laughs> kind of plan for, for Jalen, or if it was just an old <laughs> yeah. coach saying it's old coach stuff, it's still, turned out to be the right kind of message for him. I 100% agree because and it's not, it's not a slight about his offense, but, you know, I firmly believe that it is to foresee Jalen being kind of that game-wrecking, all-defense-level player than it is to have him be an all-star in offense. Now, he, he yeah. could do both, but the path for him, given his tools, is so – not maybe not so much, but I think for me it's it's easier on defense. Not Not yeah. in terms of, like – Act, actually playing is easier, but like just the way that he, what we saw this year, but let's just use this year as an example. This is a re, sort of a recap podcast. He's way far, way further ahead on defense. And yep. part of that's just because of the tools and it's easier for him to do that. But like, if you're going from just where we are right now, he's a lot closer to being that yep. like real, real game record defensively. And yep. that maybe doesn't happen to your point if he's somewhere else. So maybe on offense, he'd be more developed in certain ways, but on defense, having that sort of, you know, however you want to put that, like, skill set who may never to fit in the world it is so for him to be like hey guys i'm so good on defense you have to play me and not because you 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 need my defense with trey especially and the way they built this team his defense is going to be very 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 important moving forward yeah for sure um and it's funny for me i think about um kind of a, a guy who's say seven or eight years in the league right and i think about aaron gordon right Remember when Aaron Gordon was, I think there was an assumption that he was going to be this wing, this big wing that could do all this stuff on offense and oh, average 20. He, he, he wanted to be that guy. Remember? Like he, he, he wanted absolutely wanted to be the guy. But it wasn't until he kind of let go of that ambition and threw himself. And now he's one of the best, I don't know what, 10 defenders. In, he's awesome on he's defense, good. right? Yeah. But it's he, he uses his size. He plays at the five here in the postseason, playing at the five. He rebounds, he pushes the ball in transition, he plays hard, he shows up with athleticism. Now, I think Jalen has a much more robust set of kind of potential skills on offense than Aaron Gordon had in the year two or whatever. Um, But I still think that that is um, kind of the thing that he needs to be able to bank on every single game is defensive impact. And then we'll see. Like, can he earn a lot of on-ball like responsibility on offense, we're probably not going to know that for like two more seasons, right? Probably to see how I think you're going to see some effort and some opportunity and see how that goes. But that he should be able to like rely on that defensive impact every single game, regardless of whether he ends up having a bigger offensive role or more of an Aaron Gordon kind of role now, you know, and that sort of yeah. thing. That's an Aaron Gordon makes a huge difference for his team. Massive. He changed the trajectory of the what you know the the nuggets kind of last couple of years and kind of going into this year and stuff like that. So it's interesting. The and the last maybe thing for me is I I watch him shoot 
the shot's kind of flat. His mechanics are a lot more simplified this year than they were last year, for sure. Yeah. So they've simplified all of that. I just wonder, like, what you see or what you hear, if you're hearing anything, kind of like, no, we think he can kind of get there, or, you know, just kind of what your sense is around this shooting. I think it could, I think it's 50-50 could go either way. I think it's kind of a lazy answer. That's about what it no, is that's, for me. That's kind, of, that's kind of the consensus. I, th- I mean, I don't think that he's going to become a great shooter. I think that's – it wouldn't – I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, I'm not – I think that's – he'll always be a guy that teams are probably going to help off of. And you hope that honestly, Aaron Gordon isn't the worst compare. I mean, I like the Aaron Gordon. I hadn't really thought about Aaron Gordon as a comparison. It's not perfect, but it's that's a pretty good one for what Jalen kind of is in a lot of ways. But Aaron Gordon's a guy where he's a better shooter than Jalen right now. But at the highest level, he doesn't get guarded like that. Like he he he's not a guy that you just totally ignore. But teams will be wanting to. I mean, in a, in a playoff environment, it's like Aaron. If you want to take ten threes, go ahead, man. We have to, we have to give you the shot. Jalen, you know, he shot twenty nine percent this year. I think that he could be a, a guy who shoots in the mid thirties and that's fine. It's more of, will he take them? And number two, what is the counter in terms of like, you have to have some alt- alternatives. Like he's not going to be a pure floor spacer. So like the Draymond thing earlier is obviously Draymond's is one of a kind thing, but like you have to, as a team, as an organization and also Jalen himself, like, what are your counters if he's not being guarded? Does he be more more on ball reps as a pick and roll guy, et cetera? But as far as three point shooting is concerned, I think they believe that he can he'll make enough, he'll improve, he works at it. We've already seen to your point that he's gotten a lot better, um, and he will shoot them. He's not afraid, which I think that's a big big thing, especially for a guy like he's a confident guy. I think that my projection, if I had to give one, would be like I don't, I don't know if he'll be this this year, but. I think eventually he'll be a 34, 35% three-point shooter. Yep. I can't be totally ignored, but also like in the crucible, like you kind of, he's going to probably not be afraid to shoot them, but he's not going to terrify you. Either. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. And even in the Boston series, he went from like game one and two to be like, I'm not taking the shot. Well, to, as the series went on, you're like, thinking, hey, man, I'm you got to shoot shot. That. Well, you have and to. That, and that you is, I, and that, that may not seem like a big deal, but it is a huge deal. It is an absolutely. absolute – that's step one in his process of developing as a shooter is I'm going to take this shot. You give me the shot, I'm taking it. And, you know, he, he came all the way out of his shell <laughs> in game one and two. And he's like, can I drive to the rim? Can I, can I do something else besides take this well, shot? I, I, I think it really shot. is. I think it really is organizational too, which is why I mentioned that. Like, yeah. I think that – I don't know this for sure, but I'm very, very confident that in a film session or three, Quinn was like, hey, Jalen, if you don't shoot that, I can't play you. Basically, I mean, it's, yep. again, that's a, that's a playoff series against a great team. So it's obviously it's selective. But in that series, he was not he had to shoot that shot and he wasn't going to make 40 percent of them. It is what it is. But like if you the risk is becoming Matisse Tybal. And Jalen's a lot better than that in a lot of different ways. But like we've seen Matisse Tybal, who's this really good defensive player, just be like unplayable because he won't be guarded like at all. And he won't shoot. Jalen has other skills. So it won't be that it won't be like that. But I'm sure I am very sure Quinn was like, hey, Jalen. Don't care. I don't care if you make it. You have to shoot. You have to shoot the shots, and he did, which is good. I mean, to your point, like he's a confident guy. Jalen is not lacking confidence. Yeah. Like he's a former top prospect. I think he, if anything, he probably wants to do more than he's doing now, which is good. That's what you yeah. want. Yeah, but to your point, it's an organization. Like he needs the whole organization telling him, "We believe in you taking that shot. Like we want you to take that shot. We need you to take that shot." And he's four for eleven in the playoffs. Tiny sample, but like. When he like made that open three, I think it was about, I think in game five, 
at the top of the key and just immediately went into shooting like motion and it I was like hallelujah there we go <laughs> and Quinn was probably 10 times that on the inside so uh, strong agree. All right, we've done enough on Jalen for now. And by the way, it's another guy we talked about for an hour if we wanted to, but it is what yeah. it is. We, 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 and we almost did. Uh, Glenn, you'll be back again for more in the near future. But in the meantime, where can folks find all of your work? Uh, 8 and 29. Uh, Kevin and I did a preview of the, um, you know, the the uh, conference finals, and we laughed about the fact that I was a one for four in the uh, semifinals. <laughs> This has, been, this has been a hard one. This is. I really am similarly one. bad, by the way. I'm I'm doing it for Sportsline, which is a uh, uh, you know I guess probably yeah. more high risk yeah. than what you're doing on Twitter. So I'm uh, yeah, people, no one listens to me for betting purposes. At least I hope that that's the case. Yeah, me. Um, either, I guess. Uh, so so I, you know we're, we'll kind of keep it going. Uh, draft stuff soon. Uh, P Street Hoops still supporting uh, a lot of work guys are doing there, and then uh, Twitter at Will underscore Glenn. You can see it there if you're on YouTube, but. Uh, find me. I, I enjoy conversations there. So, so yeah, that's where my that's where I'm able to be engaged. Follow Glenn. As for everyone else, please subscribe to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And we'll see you all next time.